What's up, everyone? You're listening to Patrick Jones Baseball, and on this episode, we have Jared Gaynor. Jared, Jared is currently the Director of Baseball Operations at Virginia Commonwealth University, and in this episode, we actually get into a lot of uh, the pitching stuff. Jared, is, his background is pitching. He's a former pitcher. Um, he's a pitching coach as well. We get into spin access for change-ups, different pressure points, how to hold the baseball, um, how should you coach each player as a pitching coach during the game um, and then we get into kind of some of the analytics and what he's looking at for numbers and things like that um, how hard should guys be throwing if they want to play at a certain level um, so just we get it we, we talk about a lot of different stuff in a short amount of time and um, pretty powerful episode for all the pitching coaches out there um, if you haven't already make sure to head on over to iTunes and please uh, leave a review um, helps the overall rating of the show and helps us grow to reach more and more listeners so if you haven't done that please make sure to do it it really really does help out a lot and I really appreciate it so without further ado here is Jared Gaynor All right, and we now have on Jared Gaynor, who is currently the director of baseball ops um, at Virginia Commonwealth University. Jared, you are the most reoccurring guest on the show. I don't even think there's a close second. Uh, What's up, man? Not much. I appreciate you having me on. I uh, wasn't expecting you to reach out to me again to go back on the show. I thought I scared you off the past couple times. (laughs) (laughs) No, man. I'm glad. You know, I, I like doing the podcast for a variety of reasons. Um, it's fun to get feedback from people, you know, and just, just to hear it helps, but I also like it for just selfish reasons to just kind of catch up with friends too. You know what I mean? So, um, I'm glad we could, you could, we're able to come on today and we could kind of just catch up. Haven't talked to you in a while. And I know that you're really busy, um, with, uh, VCU. So kind of just give everyone a little bit of an update on just how your team's currently doing. Yeah, we're uh, we're doing really well right now. We're in first place in the Atlantic 10. I think our record overall is 31 and 15 right now. So we've been playing really well and uh, got about uh, four weeks left in the season and trying to make a good push in the playoffs. See how far we can take it. What what surprised you? Because you've played you played at George Mason, which is that this, are they in the A10? They are. Okay, so you've already played in the A10. So has anything surprised you now coming back as a coach from competition standpoint or just anything? Yeah, you know, it's it's been five years since I've been in the conference, but I feel like pitchers are throwing harder now than when I was in the conference. Uh, I feel like every Friday starter, Saturday starter, they're all throwing low 90s, and um, and every team has a couple of dudes out of the bullpen that can really pitch. And then also, like I feel like just the overall play, the defense has really impressed me too. Like like our team is fielding 980 right now. I think that's one of the better fielding percentages in the country, not just the league. And um, I think that's one of the biggest separators from Division One um, to other conferences, or at least the good Division One schools, is just handling the baseball and and really doing the basic fundamental things right, like defense. What what is the average velo that you're you're seeing regularly? I'd say it's anywhere in the 87 to 92 range on average. I would say just about every game we're going to see a guy that touches 92. Um, you know, the midweek games, there might be a little bit more of a variety. But like last night we played uh, VMI, Virginia Military Institute, and, you know, they, they ran out a couple of guys that were touching 91, 92. Our starter was 88 to 92. And it's uh, it's 
pretty crazy to see just how quickly the velocity has jumped in college baseball, not just professional baseball. And that's what I'm kind of wondering about and I like have been wondering about is I know that like velocity is extremely important, but do you think that because I, I mean, I it seems like and I'm not a pitching guy, um, but it seems like people make it seem like on social media, you have to throw 95 to even have a shot. Shot at pro ball or, or just what? any what like division about? one college baseball. No, you know, we, uh, we played university of Virginia, uh, the other night and they're an ACC school, good, you know, historically a really good program. You know, they had a couple guys that came out of the bullpen that were throwing low nineties, but I think their starter was, you know, 87 to 89. And That's you know, what you, I mean. yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's plenty of guys like up and down division one baseball, even at the power five schools that are thrown in the eighties. And, you know, I think there's a couple of things to unfold with that is they're an incoming freshman and the team sees projectability and it's a program that believes in their development system. They might take a chance on a guy that's thrown, you know, 84 to 86 that they see something inside him, whether it's maybe he has a quality off speed pitch, he has good command or something that stands out that makes them think that he could be an effective pitcher down the road. I think that plays a big factor into it is just your belief system and your development and what you think you can do with with a guy. And then also, if you're a junior college transfer, I think there's a difference between recruiting a high school kid and a JUCO kid. That JUCO kid needs to be more polished, and he needs to be ready to pitch and contribute to the team. So you might not take a chance on a JUCO guy that you know throws low 80s and hasn't really proven himself, maybe even at the JUCO level. So I think the age and you know where you're recruiting them from plays a big factor in that as well. Mm, great stuff. Great stuff. Um, so I know since you're really involved um, – at VCU and since you're the director of baseball ops, you know, you're with the team every day and with the coaches every day. Um, what do you, so what are you guys looking for when it comes to recruiting pitching? I know you just, you, you touched on it a little bit there with projectability. Is there certain numbers? Like, what are you guys looking for? You know, if it's a kid that we're going to offer a scholarship to, it needs to be a guy that has something that stands out, whether it's velocity, um, you know, but it doesn't have to be velocity. Like one of our best relief pitchers this year He's a freshman. He's throwing 84 to 86 on average. He's, he's touched, you know, 87 to 89 at times, but he, he's sitting mid-80s. But what makes him effective is he has a really good slider that he can throw in any situation, any count. He'll throw it 50% of the time. So it's just little things like that. Like, you, you can't just be a soft-throwing pitcher and not have any other quality. Like, you're not automatically called a command guy just because you throw slow. Like, you have to earn that title and be able to be able to show that you can throw multiple pitches for strikes. So that's that's really um, the biggest thing is if we're going to invest in a kid, there has to be some upside that we see, you know, really right now, even if they are a freshman, there has to be something that that we think can contribute and pitch at this moment. And then maybe it's velocity we need to develop down the road or maybe it's developing a second or third pitch. But there needs to be something that stands out. And then, but even like for like a walk on kid, we might take a chance on a walk on kid if he you know, has has decent command and everything else is average. But. I would say overall, there just has to be one quality at least that stands out. And if you have two, if you have great command and you throw hard, then you're probably going to be a guy that gets a lot of money to come to school. So there, there's really not just one number. Like if you throw this hard, you got a shot. Right. Like I don't think you can say you can't say, OK, if you hit 88, we're automatically going to be interested in you. Because at the end of the day, like I know we talk about velocity, but like I, I, I still believe in command pitchers and guys that know how to pitch and throw strikes. Because at the end of the day – you might recruit a kid because he throws 92, but if he's not getting anyone out and he's not throwing strikes in the game, he is not going to pitch for you. Yeah. Um, like, like when we have a pitcher that you know is can throw low 90s and he's a lefty, and he's not one of our main pitchers because he doesn't consistently throw strikes. 
And then we have that righty that I just talked about that throws mid-80s, but he knows how to throw a slider for a strike whenever he wants and commands the baseball, and he pitches every weekend for us. And that so, that's a great point that you just brought up about, you know, Everyone talks about velocity, and it is extremely important. You, you watch major league games; it's extremely important. But the fact of the matter is, is you're going to put a guy in the game who you know can like compete. And what I mean by compete is like give your team a chance, right? And if you just throw yeah. nothing but balls, right? Even if you throw 105 miles an hour, you're not going to you're not giving your chance to compete. And you know your guys' job is on the line. When it comes to winning and losing games, I mean that's just the fact of the, the matter, really. Yeah, exactly. That velocity will get you in the door, like everyone says. Velocity gets you the opportunity, but getting guys out is what's going to keep you there and give you playing time. So I know that one of the things when I talked to you last, um, you were in charge of running a TrackMan. Um, are you still? I know. I, I assume you're still doing that. And if so, like, have you found anything interesting out about it, or like, just take me through like what's going on with TrackMan? Yeah, so as far as the track, man, um, in the fall, I was doing, like, all the tagging. Like, we had a scrimmage. I would, you know, be doing it during the scrimmages. But now, in season, I'm in the dugout doing things. Mm. So I don't do as much with it. But I'm still, I mean, I still get all the reports, and I'm looking at the data um, on a on a daily basis. And one thing that's interesting, I don't know if we've talked about this before. I'm sure it's, we've probably talked about it off the air before. But just the, the idea of having your changeup be a little bit different from your fastball. And what I mean by that is, you know, when I was growing up, everyone said you want to make that changeup look just like a fastball. You want it to, you know, everything to be exactly the same as a fastball, just let the grip do the work, which is true. But one thing that I, I found that's interesting is all of the, the better changeups in baseball in, at college or even in the major leagues is the spin axis on the changeup is different from the fastball. So it, it has to be, it has to be slightly different because if it's the same spin axis as the fastball, all you're really um, doing is just changing the velocity, which isn't going to lead to swing and misses necessarily. So, so there needs so to be. So could a, you explain spin axis? I mean, I know what you mean, but I mean for everyone maybe who doesn't know. Yeah. So if the ball has pure backspin, think of it as a clock. Pure backspin, it's going to be rotating towards twelve o'clock, right? Does that make sense? Yep. So a changeup. What I mean by changing the axis is if you're a right-handed pitcher. You might want that access to move closer to 3 o'clock, and that'd be really exaggerated at 3 o'clock, but somewhere in the 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock range if your fastball is at 12 o'clock. And what that's going to do is it's going to give it a different movement profile. By changing that access further to the right, now it's going to get more horizontal movement, and it's going to have more vertical drop. Because if I just have the same exact movement profile, it's basically just a batting practice fastball, a BP fastball. There's really no difference except for the speed which could get guys out because it's going to get them out front, but it's going to be tough to get swing and misses on it if it has the same movement as the fastball. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that makes sense. So how would you like coach a guy to hold it what, hold it differently or release point? Like how would you? Yeah, so for me, it's, it's the release. The grip is going to play a factor in that. Um, you know, different grips might cause a guy to pronate more, and what I mean by pronate is having, think about the thumb rotating inwards towards your body as opposed to away. And... That, that could be one thing, just changing the grip to alter that movement. But one thing that's really valuable is having video. And, you know, obviously not everyone has, you know, an Edgertronic camera where they can really see the slow motion and really see what's happening at release. But if you have an iPhone, the iPhone can still work. All you have to do is just have it set up at your hand at your release on slow motion mode and have, have marks on the baseball. It's hard to explain um, without video. Um, but there's certain, you know, just color in the ball in certain parts of the ball so that when it is moving in slow motion, you can see which way the ball is rotating that release. Mm, okay. um, and 
so that that's easy enough to to see what the ball is doing and you know from there you can come up with different cues if you see that the guy's getting around the ball or cutting it too much maybe you just tell him think about throwing through the inside of the baseball more just come up with different cues until you get the um, the result that you're looking for, and then you can use that same cue to reinforce it later down the road. Like pressure points, like what finger and what more pressure? Yeah, yeah pressure points. Um, you can tell them. It, maybe it's even just changing the location. Think about throwing it through um, the glove side uh, target as opposed to the arm side. There's, there's diff- really anything can work. It's just a matter of what works for that individual pitcher. So when you were when you were pitching though, when you were throwing your changeup, would you throw or were you still trying to throw it as hard as you could? Yeah, so that those types of things you do want to be the same same as the fastball. You want the arm speed to be the same. You want your intent to be the same. And, and for me, I had a pretty funky grip, um, so that naturally changed my spin axis for me. And when I was pitching, like I didn't really know about spin axis. I wasn't really thinking about that. But I always I always was able to get good movement on my changeup compared to my fastball. And I think the intent plays a big role in that. You have to trust the grip. If I'm slowing down. Uh, my arm, it's going to alter the movement, and it's probably going to cause the ball to stay up a little bit longer, and it's not going to have as, as sharp of a break um, towards the end. So having that intent is really important. And there's actually a ball. I haven't used it yet, um, but Diamond Kinetics has um, a baseball that tracks the spin rate. Um, it also tracks the spin access, but it also tracks the arm speed as well, which I thought is thought was pretty interesting. I haven't tried it yet, but I'd, I'd be curious to give that a try because I'd probably be – they probably work really well for pitchers that struggle with, you know, keeping that same arm speed because they're going to get the immediate feedback to see if it differs. Yeah, I think I remember when when we were together at the ABCA where you were talking to them for a while. Was is that where you found out about it? Yeah, it is. I, I haven't pulled the trigger on getting it yet, but um, I might make an investment in how much other their baseballs down the road. They're actually not bad. I, I want to say they're around a hundred bucks. Okay, that's not too bad. The, the only thing that worries me, though, is it's—I mean—it's still a baseball at the end of the day, so I don't know how long they can last. Right. It's like back in the day, like you remember when we were growing up, they had those baseballs and they had like the the um, MPH like in the baseball with yep. the screen and everything. <laughs> Dude, those were the best. Yeah, <laughs> they yep, never I worked, but. Us. Yeah, I don't think they were too reliable as far as uh, measuring the velocity. <laughs> <laughs> that that is pretty funny. Um, so, but I know you're. But even though you are full time with the baseball team, you're actually you're still in school too, right? Well, I actually uh, finished last week, so oh, I, I'm so you're done. I'm done. I am checked out of school. It uh, it feels good to have all my focus put into baseball, but you know it was it was good uh, getting my master's, and I'm glad that I did it, but I'm also glad that it's over. What was what's the exact title or what your master's and what was it? It's a master's in sport leadership. So it was pretty much geared towards anyone that wants to be a coach or wants to work in athletic administration. What like what were some takeaways that you learned from that? So being that it's called the Center for Sport Leadership, obviously leadership was like a big big key and um, I had a leadership class and it, we just talked about interacting with teams and different leadership styles and they really helped um, you know develop what type of leader you want to be and um, talked about, you know, different ways to lead through, you know, serving others and leading from the front, also leading from the back and just, you know, doing the little things that that other people aren't willing to do. Um, No matter what your title is, you still got to be willing to get your hands dirty and do the work just like everyone else. I got a question um, somewhat similar to that when it comes to, and I know we coach together, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, Jared and I were together last summer with the Lima Locos um, in the Great Lakes Collegiate League. And we've talked about this before, but like the post-game speeches, right, the pre-game speeches for coaches, 
what what are your thoughts like on length for those like does anyone actually pay attention like what do you what's your thoughts on that I think they have their place and I think they're important but you got to be careful not to go too long because at some point guys are going to check out especially with the post game like they they just played a three-hour game they were at the field at least two hours before that they you know really almost no matter what you say it's going to go in one year out the other I feel like especially like say say you lost the game and you know emotions are high the pitcher you know he he struggled that day like I, as a when I was a pitching coach last year I never really wanted to talk about the, the pitcher's outing right after the game because he's not listening he's frustrated about what he just did or even if he's happy about what he just did he's he's not focused on getting you know getting critiqued and working on things so I like to save those types of things for the next day um, once everything is settled down and then you can actually talk to them about what they need to work on um, but I also don't think not saying anything is good either I think you need to say something because um, it it does show that you care and you're invested in them you just have to be careful with the length and the message that you're you're getting across yeah, yeah, no, I know. I I agree with that. It's always it, it is. It's always tough. Um, and I always go back and forth. Like, do they, does anyone really care about this, or am I just, you know, I mean, just speaking? And I guess maybe it's do you. I mean, do you guys do that as well at VCU? We do. Our, our head coach, he actually, he he's a really good uh, speaker. Like whenever he talks, like I feel like our guys actually are pretty dialed in. Um, he just he he's just a good public speaker, and he's really good at getting the guys engaged and. Um, we, we have what's called dugout meeting every day on practice days and game days. Um, that's kind of the first thing we do before we start stretching and all that. And we just go over, you know, the plan for the day, um, what we want to do. And if we're playing, you know, if we're, we have a game, we're playing an opponent, he'll give a brief rundown on, you know, what we're looking to do that day. Um, but he keeps it pretty, pretty short and to the point, but it's, it's engaging and, and gives you a focus for the day. What would you advise pitching coaches out there, uh, listening to this? What should they do during the game? And what I what, um, what I kind of mean by that is, I mean, should they constantly be saying something to the pitcher? Should they talk to him when he comes in in between innings? I mean, what like what what would your advice be? Like anything, I think you got to know your pitcher and and know the type of guy he is. Um, some guys are more open to talking in between innings. I know I was as a pitcher. Like I I like talking to my pitching coach about the batters I might be facing next inning, so I come up with a game plan or make sure that we're still on the same page with what we want to do. But I think you got to be careful to say too much in between innings. Um, you know whether it's mechanical um, or if it's even you know approach wise to the hitters. I think at the end of the day, the pitcher needs to pitch to his strengths. And uh, but when it comes to mechanics, if there's something glaring to where, you know, he's missing three or four in a row in the same exact spot and he just isn't able to figure it out um, mechanically or make that adjustment, then maybe you need to say something but keep it simple. Um, but if the guy, you know, he makes one bad pitch in the inning, and he gives up a double or something. I, I don't know what good it does to say, hey, you made a mistake right there. Why would you leave down the middle? You're supposed to throw it down away because to me, like as a pitcher, like obviously I know I made a mistake. Like You don't have to tell me that I missed my spot or yeah. whatever. So. I think the only time you need to talk about that type of stuff is if it's consistently and they're consistently making the same mistake. Okay. Okay. I'm gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Always again, that's just another thing is during games, uh, there's just, there's so much talking going on and it's, I'm always wondering like, like what's enough, like or too much or just kind of go back and forth with all that. Um, so during, during games, like right now, like what, like what would be your role? Are you kind of like, just keeping it positive with the guys or what do you do during in the dugout during the game yeah so in the dugout I'm actually I stay next to the head coach uh, throughout most of the game and 
Um, I do a chart when, when we're pitching. Um, we use um, a system called Synergy. It's our video uh, system and scouting system. Um, so I'm, I'm writing down every pitch, the velocity of the pitch, um, the type of pitch, the result of the pitch. So I do that for um, our half of the inning when we're in the field. And then when we're hitting, um, I, I'm really just taking in the game next to the head coach. And he'll, he's been really great with like just talking to me and asking me questions about what I think about certain situations. And, you know, and just really whatever they need. If they if they need me to run down the bullpen and talk to a pitcher that might be going in the next inning, I'll do that. I, I kind of just am a utility coach, I guess. I'll do whatever they need me to do during the game. Um, going back to kind of charting, like we were just talking about, do you guys like base decisions off of what you see like numbers-wise? Yeah, so like the synergy system, we just got it this year, and it's awesome. Like we we have video on every opponent we play, so What's we it can see synergy. Synergy, it's uh, it's really big in basketball, and now it's becoming big in baseball. Uh, not every school has it, but just about every Power Five school does, and and almost all the teams in our own conference have it as well. So it's really good. Like I can pull up, like say say you you're playing for Xavier. And we're playing you this weekend. I can look up every at bat that you've had throughout this entire season, and I can break it down by O2 counts. I can see what you do on O2 counts. Do you swing and miss at sliders? Do you like the fastball up? Wow. Um, so it, it gives you locations of where the pitch is, the type of pitch, um, the counts. So you can really break it down and really dive deep into it. So we'll use that for like shifting our defense and tendencies. So we'll like we do a shift for almost every hitter, whether it's pull side, oppo. Um, so it's it's pretty cool. We're able to do a lot of things with it. That's incredible. How, how do you spell that? Is that S I N? S Y N E R. Yep. Okay, I've never heard of that before. Um. Yeah, that's that's really so. That is that specific. And you said it was in basketball too. Is it? But is it just college baseball, or do they use it in the big leagues too? I don't think they use it in pro ball because the the only problem with it is it's still people inputting the information so it's it's not necessarily going to be 100 percent exact like sometimes i'll, I'll want to look at a guy throwing a change up and it'll be a, a curveball or something so it's it's someone tracking it like me saying in the dugout i'm writing down what the pitch is maybe i miss a pitch and it's not the right pitch so it gets inputted incorrectly but for the most part it's pretty accurate oh one of the things that i did uh did want to ask you about because i got this question online and i before i forget about it is what like what should be like the routine of a pitcher like starting pitcher for example we'll just start there and then go to relievers what should their routine be after they start like immediately from the time yeah from the time they get done throwing like five six innings um to their next start like what should be you know simplified obviously but what should what should they be doing yeah so post start like that same day i don't think they need to do a ton of stuff um, I used to believe in like really cranking out like a big like a big rotator cuff workout or you know or doing some running or something for for a half hour. But now I think like after you're done, relax for a minute, um, and then if you want to do like some light some light mobility work, like some light shoulder work, do some you know some band work. You can do uh, plyo work, rebounders, upward tosses, just a little bit of movement just to get your body moving a little bit. But the main thing really that day of. Get a good meal in after your game. Get a, get a, a lot of protein in to help help the recovery, and then just get good rest that night. And if you like to do something like a Mark Pro, which is a muscle stimulator, um, you can do that. But I, I really don't think a lot needs to happen the day of the start. But the next day, post start, uh, you really want to get a good uh, lower body workout in. And the reason why lower body, not the upper body, is just because 
your arm's going to be a little bit more sore. Your, you know, your, your upper back's going to be sore. Your elbow's going to be a little bit fatigued, um, even the chest sometimes. So I don't really like to stress the upper body too much the day after other than just doing um, some shoulder work and band work and whatnot. Um, but so the lower body lift the day after is really important. And, uh, and then from there, uh, the next day would be uh, an upper body lift, um, then a conditioning day the following day, and then maybe a full body lift the next. So if you're on a seven-day rotation, we're really looking to get three workouts in, um, one lower, one up, one lower, one upper, one full body, and then maybe two conditioning days in between there. What should high school kids be doing? If they can pitch, Like, how many days of rest should they get before their next start? For their next start, I don't think there's really any reason for a kid to pitch more than once a week if he's a starter. If he's throwing you know, five, five to seven innings and he's throwing 80 to 100 pitches, I think one start a week is fine, especially – in high school, I mean, they're not playing more than three games a week typically. So um, if they're throwing more than once once a week, that means they're starting, um, you know, maybe on three days rest, which is what I did in high school. I would start twice a week, every, every single week. Oh, but really? it adds up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, things have changed over the last 10 years. That's for sure. Do you, and, I mean, do you think that's – you got Tommy John. I mean, in all seriousness, do you think that's what maybe like led you to get just overuse? You know, I, I don't know because I felt like I always was prepared for it. Like I never felt like I shouldn't be pitching or that I was fatigued and wasn't ready to pitch and threw through it. I always felt good. I, I always felt like I, I was able to handle it. So for me, that's why like the pitch counts are a great start, but I don't think they're the end-all be-all because it say you, the kid's allowed to throw 70 pitches that day. If he hasn't built up to that 70 pitch count – or his workload, you know, hasn't got him in shape for that, that 70 pitches is going to be too much. So if your arm's out of shape, the pitch counts don't really matter. Or if you're not taking care of yourself in between starts, you're not going to recover properly, even if it's the quote-unquote right amount of days rest. So I, I think everything you do in between your outings and before your outings is critical. Gotcha. What was that? Uh, Mark Pro? What's that again? Yeah, Mark Pro. It's a muscle simulator. Um, it's built towards recovery, so the frequency – is different from normal stem. Um, if you've ever had, have you had stem before? No, I haven't. Or maybe yeah, I have. okay. actually, I know I have back in like back in college. I think I did maybe once or twice. Yeah, so it's common in like a rehab setting, and regular stem just has the same frequency. So it's almost like a, a vibration. Um, it's just a constant vibration. Both the Mark Pro, um, it actually pulses the muscle, and it's the idea is that it's supposed to uh, create blood flow to the area without breaking down the muscle. So um, other stem machines, um, you don't really want to do it for too long because it's actually breaking down the muscle and strengthening it. Um, versus the Mark Pro, um, you, they say you can't you can't use it too much; that it's not going to cause any damage. It's just going to be built towards recovery. But like anything, like if you use it too much, it's going to lose its effectiveness. I, and, and didn't you use that last summer for the pitchers too? Yeah, so I have one of them. I actually have a um, a deal with them. So if anyone's interested, use my, uh, discount code GSP five, <laughs> GSP five. Okay. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. So uh, yeah. And they, it, it's great. Our guys used it last summer, um, after they pitched and everyone loved it. And you can even use it like before you pitch as well, just to help get your arm warmed up a little bit before you dive into your pre-throwing routine. That's pretty interesting. That's pretty cool stuff right there. I like that. Might have to check that out again. Um, all right. Well, to to wrap this that wrap this thing up, one of the other things I wanted to make sure to give you a plug for, if you're still, are you still doing your like online training? I am. So now that I have a little bit more time, now that I'm not in school anymore, um, I'm definitely gonna 
be a little bit more active at that. So if guys are looking for, um, you know, throwing or lifting or they need both for this summer, um, I, I do remote training. And, and the way that works is uh, we start by having a phone call. I'd, I'd get some information on you. And then all my guys will perform an assessment. And obviously, since it's not in person, they'll have to send me video of them doing the assessment. And then from there, um, I send throwing programs and uh, lifting programs as well. And we're just in constant communication uh, throughout the phone and through Skype. And uh, really just uh, it's a hands-on approach to, to developing guys. And um, the more video they, they send me, the better I can help and critique what's going on with their throwing or lifting. Um, and it's just a, it's a cheaper alternative to in-person training, obviously, since I'm not there for every rep that you're doing. Um, but I believe it has high quality for guys that are wanting to take that next step in their career. Right. They, they can do it like at, at any gym. They can go to the Y and do it. And, but the difference exactly. is they have a specific plan to do instead of just going there and I, that's I mean that's always my issue right even when I go to the gym now I'm not even playing anymore but sometimes I just walk in there and just like oh this machine looks good I'm, you know I'll get on that for a little bit <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah this gives you a plan and you're not guessing and and I'm and I handle that all for you so I, I lay out what you need to do and I also explain why you need to do it, which I think is important I think kids should be asking uh, the why for a lot of things what and what's the what's the best way for for people to contact you um, if they're interested in doing that? If they're interested in doing that, email would be the best, and uh, you can probably put this in the show notes because it's a long email address. But it's info at gainerstrength-pitching.com. Gainer slash strength. Yes. Info, oh, sorry, sorry. Info at gainerstrength. Info at gainerstrength-pitching dash pitching yep pitching.com all right we'll make sure to put it in there cool man well hey good luck to you guys um maybe we'll see you guys in the college world series this year um you think that's a possibility yeah. i don't see why not we uh all right we guys, you guys have a good record right now yeah you know we we've uh, received a few votes for the top 25 uh throughout this year we haven't cracked into it yet but um, you know, earlier this year, we beat uh, North Carolina, who was ranked fourth in the country at the time. And uh, we've, you know, we've played really well. I think when we're on top of our game, we're a tough team to beat. Awesome, man. I well, appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Pat.